Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Navigator, RBC Global Asset Management's podcast on the U.S. fixed income markets. I'm Jason Pasquinelli, and sitting co-pilot with me today is Tim Leary, one of our senior portfolio managers on Blue Bay's Leverage Finance Desk. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, great timing having you on the podcast today, Tim. We had you queued up, and there was a Fed meeting yesterday, so we think it's perfect timing. The Fed announced the 75 basis point rate hike, which was not much of a surprise to the market. Given how well telegraphed the rate increase was, how have risk assets behaved since the announcement? So positioning in risk assets was so bearish heading into this month, and really throughout the month, that any semblance of good news caused the market to rally. There was a mildly dovish tilt to Chair Powell's presser, uh, but he was clear that the path forward is, is very much data dependent. Equities are rallying more so on 2Q earnings beats against a backdrop of very light positioning in a very thin market. Uh, so I would caution from reading too, too much into uh, the tone of the market immediately after the Fed. Um, interest rates, on the other hand, across the curve are actually lower post the Fed's 75 basis point hike. It's difficult to read, again, too much into those dramatic moves uh, because of the time of the year, but the rate market appears to disagree with Chair Powell's assessment that we're not going to enter a recession. Yeah, to that point, Tim, U.S. high-yield return has been pretty strong in the month of July. Where do you see value right now in the market? You know, that's one of my favorite questions from investors. Uh, the consensus view uh, in the market seems to be a, a quote-unquote up in quality, and usually that means double B bonds, uh, the household names that are longer in duration, oftentimes, uh, fallen angels that were at one point investment grade that are now high yield. And that's a large part of the market. People oftentimes misunderstand uh, the US high yield market and how many names and how many issuers are in it that companies or people are, are familiar with, right? Um, they're not companies that are going to default. They're the double B component of the benchmark is uh, you know, in the mid 55% range on average, uh, certainly now. And the market is bigger and more liquid today than it's ever been. Um, that said, those bonds have, are the first to rally. Uh, and, and because of that technical, uh, they've reached a level where they're not as compelling to my mind as say a single B rated bond that might be a five or seven year duration. Uh, perhaps it's senior secured, uh, perhaps it was issued by a, a sponsor when they uh, purchased the company for an LBO. Um, you know, on, on balance, you can buy single B credits, you know, 2% higher yield than the double B benchmark. And so to that end, uh, you know, I would much rather rely on our, our, our team and our ability to select credit investments and, and, and generate alpha that way without having to take that extra duration risk that you're seeing in that double B component. Now, if the market pulled back materially, it, we could certainly reassess. And that's the nice part about it, being able to dynamically allocate you know, intra-rating band, intra-sector within our asset class. And in many ways, it's easier to do now because of the fact that the market, as I said, is more liquid now than it ever was. Um, you know, the other thing to say, I would say, is that, and it's a bit taboo, but there's quite a bit of value in a select group of triple C names. Um, you know, these are issuers that aren't going to default, uh, but they've seen their bond prices tank, for lack of a better word, this year. Um, and so again, they're, they're few and far between, but we're certainly spending a lot of time finding those opportunities. Overall spreads in high yield are approaching 500. Is that reflective of kind of 
the general high yield balance sheet right now? It's definitely reflective of the health of balance sheets at the moment, uh, but it's not if there's going to be a prolonged recession. So you have to remember, again, as I mentioned, that so much of the high yield index is now double B rated. The quality overall of the index has improved. Um, what I just, uh, what I come back to is that when you think about those double B long dated safe bonds relative to investment grade, they're just too tight. Um, so while the market is sort of clamoring for that risk, as I, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to remain in, in, in credits that we like that are uh, not going to default, but they may not have the same sort of rating band cushion. Tim, you mentioned default, and it's a hot topic within high yield investments. Everyone is looking at the default rates, uh, which we've seen a small uptick in recently, but they're still near record lows. What do you think of the default environment? And you think it's going to accelerate more meaningfully the second half of the year and into 2023? So the interesting thing about defaults is that they really have nowhere to go but up. They're at 1.1% on an LTM basis. So you can triple that number of defaults and still get basically just under the long-term average for the U.S. high yield market. Um, again, part of the reason we're not going to see a spike in defaults is, is really twofold. One, um, during COVID and immediately thereafter in 2021, many companies came to refinance the front end of their of their maturing capital, capital structures, right? So there aren't any looming maturities of any consequence in the market. Uh, the second point is that, again, because these markets are, these balance sheets are, 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 are in decent shape, um, they're going to be able to access the market. And it's really just a function of price. Um, so the... You know, as I think about what causes a default, a sort of rise in defaults, either companies run out of money, they can't refinance, or they can't afford to pay their interest. And the interest coverage, i.e., how much cash flow these companies generate relative to their cost of their income expense or their cost of interest every year, uh, is relatively high. Um, so companies can afford to pay the interest on these on their debt, and and that that is a healthy environment. It's one that's going to mean that there is going to be lower defaults. Um, you know, and that well, again, going forward or for no long, a prolonged recession, that's going to change. But it's going to take a while to really put a dent into these balance sheets. One of the things that uh, you and I talk about offline is is the value in U.S. versus Europe. We certainly note the challenges that are going on in Europe with energy prices and such. Maybe can you comment on where you see value when it comes to geographic locations, whether it be the U.S., Europe, or elsewhere? Europe is going through a, a tragic war and a looming energy crisis. So spreads there are and really should be higher than in the United States. Um, it, there's a higher risk of default and a higher risk of re recession in Europe. Uh, I would caution, though, that you know that could change in an instant. Um, that said, when you have that environment and you have compelling value uh, on a spread level on, a, on an ultimate yield level basis, um, you know you have to be you have to be open to that. Excellent. And my last question is more kind of a. a a pitch for U.S. high yield in this inflationary environment. Any thoughts that you have in terms of how you expect the asset class to perform going forward? Look, I think for for many of the reasons that we mentioned, um, more and more there are more and more eyes and more and more investors focusing on high yield. I think that's fair. I think that's what should happen, um, particularly relative to other asset classes and corporate credit that are out there. I think the U.S. high yield market is one of the only, if not the only, liquid corporate credit market where you can actually generate enough return to generate a real positive yield on an inflation-adjusted basis. So if you think about the fact that defaults are going to be low, income is going to be high, that is a winning solution to beat inflation in this environment. Excellent. Well, Tim, thanks again for your time today. For the listeners out there, we certainly hope this podcast has been helpful. You can find this in future episodes of The Navigator at institutional.rbcgam.com. 
Tim, thanks again for your time. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. And thank you all for listening. This podcast is provided by RBC Global Asset Management, RBC GAM, for informational purposes and may not be reproduced, distributed, or published without the written consent of RBC GAM. This podcast does not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or to sell any security product or service in any jurisdiction, nor is it intended to provide investment, financial, legal accounting, tax, or other advice, and such information should not be relied or acted upon for providing such advice. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This product is not available for distribution to investors in jurisdictions where such distribution would be prohibited. Investment and economic outlook information has been compiled by RBC GAM from various sources. Information obtained from third parties is believed to be reliable, but no representation or warranty expressed or implied is made by RBC GAM or its affiliates or any persons as to its accuracy, completeness, or correctness. RBC GAM and its affiliates assume no responsibility for any errors or omissions.